before we get going today, I just wanted to share with you some things that are uh, up and coming for Burlap, but then also things that are available to you right now as a listener of the Burlap podcast. First, the up and coming things uh, is that we're looking to create a series of ebooks to help churches and leaders of churches reach millennials. Uh, these ebooks are going to be extremely affordable and they'll be highly practical and easy, easily accessible and consumable even like on a short flight or a, a short trip that you might be going on. And we're designing them specifically to share with your teams or your congregation in order to invite them into the conversation about reaching millennials. And uh, we're hoping to have those available for purchase by July 1st, 2016. But you don't have to wait till July 1st to get some of uh, the resources that we've already developed. You can check out our website, thinkburlap.com, and get our free ebook. And I'll put the link uh, to, in this episode uh, to that free ebook. And we also have a six uh, lesson series on the Lord's Prayer that you can download and use with a small group, especially with a group of millennials. As we talked about before on the podcast. Uh, Millennials are interested in prayer and exploring prayer, and it's one of the top spiritual practices uh, that they are engaged in, whether they are Christian or or they're non-religious. So uh, I hope you check out those resources, and thanks again for listening to the Burlap Podcast. Burlap Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Burlap Podcast. My name is Paul Sheneman. I'm the host of the Burlap Podcast. And today we have Rob. Rob, pronounce your last name for me. Santel. Rob Santel. And Rob, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're at? Yeah, I live in Kansas City. I've spent about the last four and a half years pastoring a small country church outside of Kansas City. Um, recently been without a ministry placement as I'm looking for a faith community right now. Um, potentially looking at doing some social services, social work type things in the future. And I currently work for Nazarene Youth International and help connect youth leaders, campus ministers uh, around the U.S. and Canada. Okay. And so your interest in reaching millennials, is is it just because you're in this position of uh, helping campus ministries, and so these young millennials that the campus ministers are are trying to reach and connect with, is that where your primary interest uh, comes from, or is this a passion for you, uh, seeing a millennial generation connected to the gospel? I would say since I'm a millennial myself, and currently I'm finding myself uh, without a faith community, I would say that's probably more so my passion than anything else. Um, when I look at the, you know, I grew up in St. Louis. I grew up in a, a faith community that was, was pretty impactful for me. When I look, though, at the people that I grew up with and kind of where they are now, I would say the majority of them maybe haven't left their faith, but they are, are not necessarily engaged in a, in a faith community. They're not um, seeking things out that way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Rob, what are some of those reasons that you've observed uh, from just those relationships of, of why those folks aren't engaged uh, anymore in a faith community? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing is it's all about relationship. 
Um, I know the majority, even myself, can't stand when people are kind of in my face and preachy to me, especially I can't help but disconnect it from how uh, wrapped up in politics the faith community has been, especially as we see that here in this, this election year. So, yeah. uh, you know, when I was growing up, I used to believe that you couldn't be a Christian and be a Democrat. And oh, yeah. I, I think that people actually still believe that. And um, now where I find myself much more centrist, more moderate, this election cycle maybe more um, left-leaning, I guess you would say, but that's neither, neither here nor there. I think people are really looking for a relationship, um, looking for people to breathe life. Um, even when I speak in my own life, I, I'm looking for people that are going to breathe into me, bring, breathe life, breathe truth into me, but also um, are looking for people that will allow me to reciprocate that as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and what are some of those qualities of a relationship um, that you think uh, – maybe personally as a millennial that's trying to connect with a, a faith community or that your friends who have disconnected, uh, what those qualities of a relationship that they're looking for? Um, because, you know, there's a lot of qualities or characteristics to relationships. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing is authenticity. Um, people, I think we've got a, um, we've got a pretty good sensor on what's bullcrap and what's not. And I, hopefully I can yeah. say that in this podcast. Um, yeah, but can. we can we can sense genuine, um, genuine heartfelt um, interest, and when there's kind of an ulterior motive, um, I would say that's probably um, yeah. people looking for authenticity, looking for substance. Yeah, yeah, and and is there a sense that you're looking for uh, an an element of freedom? in the relationship, or at least yeah. an element you know, of trust? Because, you know, one yeah. of the things that you indicated earlier was, you know, you grew up and you believe that, you know, Christians had to be Republican, but now here you've had an ideological change, and then, and, but you're, you're kind of mourning the fact that the church is so tied to politics that um, Yeah, that I think the biggest component of that, the biggest part of that is being able to, uh, engage in conversation, and even if we disagree, say, Paul, we disagree on something that's, that's pretty major, for us to still have a conversation about it and be charitable, be hospitable in the way that we communicate and the way that we treat each other is ideal. I think about my own life. I've got two guys that I meet with regularly. I'm 26, the other guy's 46, and then they, the oldest guy, he's 65. So there's... Uh -huh. 20, 20 years difference between each of us, and we just do life together, and we don't agree about everything. We, we come from different places in life, um, different spots, uh, where we're currently at, and um, we're able to do that hospitably and charitably, and I think that's a beautiful part. And um, I think that even leads into another component that for many millennials, I think the, the path has been to kind of segregate by age, so kind of keep all the millennials together, all the young adults and different things. But I think people are really looking for those kind of intergenerational connections, those relationships that kind of span um, span age and time. Yeah, yeah. And what you're saying resonates with some other folks that we've had on the podcast. Ben Simpson, who's a student pastor in uh, – 
in the Fort Worth area in Texas. He's right across from a college, and their church is an intentionally uh, intergenerational uh, church. And so he talks about training his church to uh, welcome millennials um, into that context, um, not trying to segregate them out and create a whole new ministry, but to welcome in them into intergenerational ministry. So that resonates with other things that we've we've heard uh, on the podcast before. So now what are some things that you you maybe have done or you've seen the church doing that you've thought um, uh, they've done a really great job here of connecting with uh, millennials who are the nuns and duns, uh, those yeah. non-Christians. Um, have you seen the church do that well somewhere? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. In my ministry experience, I pastored a uh, rural setting, and I think that there were people that were a part of our church that fit the age the age bracket of a, what we con- we'd consider a millennial, which what, what do we describe as a millennial? Is it like up to 30, 35? Uh, right now, uh, the demarcation is is basically those between uh, born between 1981 and 2000. So millennials right now are between the ages of they would say 18 and 35. Yeah. Um, so we definitely have people that fit that in terms of their age, but from a rural setting, I don't know that their mentality was that of um, a millennial. I guess you'd say they. Yeah, they don't a lot of the statistical information that gets reported out about millennials. Yeah, they they're definitely were very similar in terms of their worldview and mindset of their parents. And mm-hmm. kind of in a rural setting, the, the age demographics were, um, the population is aging. And so with that, that mindset was also aging with those younger adults. But I've seen um, in some other areas where kind of a third place is really important, um, a, a third space, I guess you'd say, of uh, kind of coffee shops, bars, restaurants, local places, uh, rather than a church space. And so I've seen some churches really tap into that, whether it's kind of a coffee shop or kind of these local joints, um, of just kind of singling out a certain space where people are coming for not necessarily um, a specific reason, but trying to find community. And I think when churches do that and tap into that, they've, they've been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some ways that you have seen the church kind of fail when it comes to reaching millennials with the gospel? And now I'm not just saying they fail at discipling. That, that would be one thing with the millennials that are already within the church. But I'm just saying trying to reach out and yeah. connect with millennials. Where, where have you seen the church fail in that? Yeah, I, I would say before we even get into that, I want to just preface kind of my critiques of the church with um, an, an element of grace that the church has been so good to me and, and God has used um, some extraordinary people of faith to, to breathe life into me, to, to speak truth, and I, I'm just so thankful for them. But there are, like you said, ways that the church can really begin to reach out um, to millennials a little better. Uh, and I think the first part is just really understanding um, that millennials are open to people, they're open to cultures, they're open to systems that are different than them, and have a deep care and concern for, um, for the other. 
at least that's kind of the way I've experienced it. And so when we when we try to fit God into this box of kind of um, black and white, it, it really is challenging, even in my own personal life, as I've experienced God um, over the last few year, years, I've realized that the progression was that God began to start speaking in grayscale, but now I'm seeing that God is speaking in, in, in bold colors, and it's a, a beautiful thing to see God at work in, in, in many different ways. Um, but I think, you know, back to what I said earlier about um, kind of the church being so preachy, um, rather than focusing on the relationship and relationship is so key it's um, uh, and through that when we start with relationship um, we're able to engage with tough topics um, I think Millennials know that there's an elephant in the room and they don't like to ignore it and let's talk about the elephant let's talk about these things that um, divide us these topics that uh, we have differing opinions on um, and I think that's, that's important to, to be able to have those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Now, being involved in pastoral ministry and uh, in, in having a desire to continue down that, that route, it seems like, uh, from our conversation so far, uh, how, how do you do that with a, a congregation? How do you have those uh, hard conversations if... The, the congregation has been used to being preached at, you know, for 10, 20, 30, 60, 80, 100 years, uh, you know. Uh, how do you begin to create spaces where, you know, where engaging the elephant in the room is an okay thing? Yeah. You know, it's going to be a hard and it's going to be a painful thing. Um, it, it's going to be uncomfortable. But I think... I think we've seen God work in powerful ways when we're uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. and it's okay. There's there's a peace there, uh, that as Paul would say, the peace that transcends all understanding. Um, when we can go to the places that the church isn't comfortable going to. Yeah. No. Rob, one last question from my perspective: What's your greatest hope? Um, in the church's engagement with millennials uh, with the gospel? Yeah. My biggest hope is that um, my generation would know this man, Jesus, and the freedom that he brings. Um, he's, instead of knowing just a concept or a theory, to know um, the love of God expressed through his son, Jesus, um, I think it's a beautiful message. I think it's a beautiful story that we fit into, and, mm-hmm. and that, that gives me hope.